Welcome back to Theory for Turntables, the TFT podcast. I'm Ryan, that's Matt. Hey, Matt, I'm a full-grown man, but I'm not afraid to cry. Ryan, when will children learn to let their wildernesses burn? Maybe today. Maybe today is the day where the children will learn and the full-grown men will cry because we are doing two albums by Beck. We are finally crossing the threshold from 1998 into 1999 by discussing a Beck double feature of Mutations, uh, his third official studio album and sixth overall album um, from late 98, November 98, and uh, Midnight Vultures, his uh, album from the following year, from almost exactly a year later, November 99, uh, which was his fourth official studio album and seventh overall album that were not uh, any unofficial uh, indie albums in between the two, although that is um, a thing that Beck is known for, right? And so these um, albums followed uh, Mellow Gold and Odelay, which were his kind of established him as a alt rock, alt pop. Um, star uh, and then a, a handful of small indie cassette and vinyl only releases on a variety of um of, of small labels um so he was already kind of well established by this point late in the 90s um and these uh these are very very different albums and so i think i wanted to discuss them um in part to uh pivot from 98 to 99 um and because we've not covered beck um and either the contemporary quarters or the historical quarters. We missed the the chance or passed up the chance to do Odile. Um, but I'm, I'm actually really um, excited to do these two um, because Midnight Vultures was one that I bought when it came out. Um, I had been into Odile quite a lot, and I don't remember the exact cir- circumstances that led me to buying this one, but I remember, I, I, I definitely remember um, getting it um, and listening to it and then talking excitedly on the on the phone with it uh, about it uh, with a friend of mine um, and kind of talking about how weird it was how weird and kind of uh, like l- listing the litany of odd sexual things right? <laughs> I was a senior in high school right now right? so a lot was focused on Deborah, what, right? what does it mean what does it mean to pour champagne on a honeybee Right. Exactly. Um, it's like it's like figuring out which of the things are like are arcane sex metaphors and which ones are just are just Dada's non sequiturs. Um, and that kept that kept 17 year old me quite busy uh, when this was out. Um, and, uh, and I just like to- I, I don't like the thought of you uh, talking excitedly about music with someone else. Ryan, I feel like, you know, that that uh, you, are our- not, you are not my first Matt. Our- the TFT podcast bond, you know, there's, I thought, I thought, I thought we were exclusive. I didn't realize I, we had an open podcast relationship. I guess, I guess I never quite realized that I, I've been podcasting uh, since, since before the form existed. But right? you were doing, you were doing like uh, artisanal podcast for one, you know, that yeah. was, uh, it was almost podcast for zero. Cause you and your co-host didn't have any audience. Right. And it was, it was a dial up podcast, right? Um, <laughs> Uh, and it was, uh, it was, it's like, this just doesn't happen anymore. Right now, now the teens these days, uh, just Snapchat each other about their, about, about the, like the new Drake playlist. Right? Yeah, they, don't uh, even, they don't even talk about the music. They just use it as the background for their Insta stories. Yeah. Exactly. Um, and so, so, so Midnight Vultures is what I was talking about in late, um, you know, late de- November, December of 99, my senior year of high school mutations. I, I sort of passed over. I, and, um, but 
but I've wanted, I've wanted to revisit for a while because I know it as being quite, quite, quite different from Midnight Vultures sonically. Um, and it sure is, but it's definitely one that has, that really has grown on me on this round of listens. Um, and is kind of, as uh, TFT punk correspondent, Rachel D said, um, really kind of, um, grown folk house music <laughs> and uh is really kind of much more acoustic much more dreamy um and 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 kind of equally diverse and interesting and uh, you have a history with both of these albums as well right matt yeah i started with beck uh with mellow gold where when um it was on mtv and it was on k-rock a lot and loser was pretty inescapable in mm-hmm. 1994 if you were into kind of what was then called alternative rock uh or at least the format was called alternative rock at the time and he though he has very little in common with uh with like the grunge rock that filled out the rest of alter the alternative rock radio format um he definitely was was uh, lumped in with them and was in the MTV buzz bin and whatnot. Uh, he also Beck, like an early proponent of Beck, was then I think it was Chris Doritas who was the music director of KCRW, the sort of trendsetting public radio station in Santa Monica. Um, and so very early on, uh, Beck was doing like live sets, like live hours in the third hour of their morning music show and, and, um, stuff like that. So I feel like he has, uh, you know, I had a relationship with him and the, the, I mean, I had a relationship with this music. I didn't have a relationship with the man himself, but I, uh, so I had Mellow Gold on CD and this led me to sort of, I read in Rolling Stone, which was a thing that I subscribed to in paper that uh you know he had this deal with his label that hit he had these other albums and so i got uh two of them one foot in the grave and stereopathetic soul manure and uh listened to those in addition to mellow gold when odile came out i did not like it i actually took a pass on odile which was i think the 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 big hit right um and then when mutations came out i absolutely fell in love with it like it it was this was this was a sort of total on repeat in my freshman dorm room uh kind of album and and then midnight vultures is is also great but but in a way didn't have the kind of the i didn't have the particular uh, the particular relationship, right? The particular affection for it that I had for mutation. So it's funny, you and I are kind of like, we're sort of interlocking. We form a, you know, we form sort of interlocking parts, uh, in order to, uh, you know, as good pod bros must. Yeah, exactly. And it is, it is interesting. I mean, that kind of, I mean, it, it sums up in interesting ways, probably where we each were in 98, 99, um, and just in terms of our kind of musical tastes, uh, and a variety of things. Um, but it is, it's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's a lot to go into cause they are so different or maybe, uh, it's worth kind of, it'll be worth kind of digging in, um, of what, where the, you know, both where the differences are, but I think more interestingly, where the similarities are in the, in the project underneath the kind of, um, surface level stylistic differences yeah. because, uh, because as I started to listen to them back to back, cause they're, 
they're not albums that you would usually listen to back to back unless you were doing a Beck grand tour sure. because they they just have very different um, use cases and and kind of moods, right? Like a a Midnight Vultures mood is rarely a Mutations mood and vice versa, right? Uh, and, you know, I, I listened to Midnight Vultures um, on a run earlier today and it's like an awesome running album, right? Because sure. it just is so, you know, it's so rhythmic um, and so funky and, and kind of um, at a pretty good middle tempo. And while there are is some some rhythmic complexity um on mutations a lot less so right it's a lot of, there's a lot more space uh and a lot less of of a driving beat a lot more a lot more three a lot more a lot more waltz and kind of three four meter uh and so it's definitely um more of a maybe a post-run stretch a cool down album um or more of a um more hanging around so they they definitely don't usually go back to back, even though they come chronologically in his career. So having a chance to listen to them, um, uh, you know, in both orders, I did a little bit of, you know, listening to them chronologically and then going reverse chronological, uh, and it opens a few things. So I'm, I'm excited uh, to dive in. So, uh, give a few spins to both mutations and midnight vultures, uh, and then meet us back here after this word from our, commercial sponsors are you lost and looking for uh for meaning in your life yes <laughs> are uh, you it, yes it's bleak it is super bleak i know are, are you afraid of of uh spending eternity a slave to the alien overlord who uh colonized earth millions and billions of years ago yeah and i feel really stressed out like, I feel like if there were, like, a test that could tell me about my stress and how to relieve it, I would take the shit out of that test. <laughs> well, we've got that test and we've got more. Become a Scientologist. Oh, is that like becoming a scientist? <laughs> it's exactly like becoming a scientist because the tenets of Scientology are subjected to the same rigors that the scientific method imposes upon the spurious claims that it makes for the the uh, efficacy of pharmaceuticals and other nonsense like that. Fake news! Fake news! So where can I send my money? <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. But first, hold on to these tin cans and let us measure your galvanic skin responses. We say uncomfortable things to you. Scientology, it's got the answers for a price. And we're back. Hey, Matt, I have a question. <laughs> okay. This Beck, these two Beck albums, with their wide diversity of genres and styles, with their often uh, inscrutable non-sequitur uh, lyrics, um, with their um, wide-ranging themes and moods and feelings, is there a point? <laughs> um yeah, uh, sort of. I mean, I think the I, I think there is sort of the answer is kind of a, a qualified yes, right? Like, is is Beck? Would you call Beck a formalist? You know, <laughs> right? Huh. Like, I I'm not sure. In the case of, I guess because they they started their careers around the same time, she a little earlier, and and because my association with them kind of peaked at around the same time, right? I I was sort of thinking about this in terms of of Tori Amos, right, as a mm -hmm. sort of super prolific. Um, 
you know, releaser of an album every few years, kind of from the nineties and from the kind of not a, not a, not a rock and roller in a straightforward way, but, um, you know, uh, but, but people who, who were in that kind of pop music, uh, kind of non-mainstream pop music thing that sort of became the mainstream in the, uh, in the early nineties. And you feel like Tori Amos is singing songs because, you know, she has these kind of burning things that, that she needs to get out because she, you know, uh, is a sort of wood nymph who mediates between the, the, (laughs) the fire spirits of the earth and the, uh, the water spirits of the air. Uh, and you know, you see them, uh, coalesce inside of her and, and, uh, become translated into, into songs and if she doesn't give birth to the songs then she will uh you know she'll she she, it will be unmanageable for her she needs to let the songs let the songs out um i don't get the same you don't get the same sense of a kind of burning artistic need in Mm. in back right it's almost more it's almost more like a party you know, uh, even the downer albums like Sea Change, yeah. which is like the the breakup album, it's you, you get I, I you know, so I turned uh, uh, I, I actually turned an, an adult friend of mine uh, who I knew through doing theater as a kid on to Mellow Gold in, in 95 or something like that. <laughs> and he was like, oh, man, who are all those guys who are just bullshitting and fucking around? It's like, no, it's just one guy. It's like no, there's a there's gotta be. It's like a party. It's like a bunch of guys just got together and got high, and we're like, ah, eh, let's make a record, you know. Uh, and and I mean, I think one of the, I mean, maybe one of the the things you can take from that is that Beck is a bunch of guys, you know, that like he's uh, that there are kind of multi there there are many voices within Beck, and I I don't know if they're yeah. Thetans. I mean, I don't know. I shouldn't shouldn't make make the guy. Uh, um, answer for answer for Scientology. If it helps him in his life, good for him. But uh, but um, you know he's uh, he's got these he's got these sort of different hmm. different personas, and that that like kind of letting get each one sort of gets an album, right? Like each one kind of gets to come out and. Uh, uh, you know, come out and communicate. Um, and sometimes you see the other ones, you see the other ones peeking out a little bit, like on, um, you know, in, uh, uh, there's a sort of uncharacter in what is it called? Diamond bollocks, right? Yeah. There are a couple of, uh, uncharacter moments that really belong more to the mellow gold or Odile back, uh, than they do. Um, the, the, the sort of distorted noise, Rocky, uh, experimental Beck than they do to the sort of acoustic folky Beck yeah. of, of one foot in the grave and, yeah. and, and other even, things. Even Tropicalia bridges that to that Beck as well. I mean, it's still kind of lighter and more acoustic, but it also is just, I think in it's more rhythmicness in, in the, ways in which it is a little more playfully lyrically, I feel like kind of bridges um, kind of, you know, forward to Midnight Vultures and backwards to Odile a little more than a lot of the other stuff um, on Mutation. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's interesting. I think that there are I think that there are Beck is a bunch of guys and they're also but they're, they are into like kind of they're on two teams, too. Right. That's, <laughs> so yeah, like, right. 
Beck is like about Beck is like two basketball teams. Right? Uh, there's like and there's and and they they there's so there's about five guys per side or maybe five and an alternate per side. Right? That's about how many albums he has. So it's about right. Um, and so you have kind of and and you kind of have the the party team and, and the, and the sad team kind of, um, and, and you, I think though, what is interesting about these two is that you do see about, about mutations and, um, and, and, and midnight vultures is that you get, you start to get a little bit more of the crossovers between the teams a little bit. Um, in that I, I see that there is, I mean, so I think the representative, right? So the guy, and I know Midnight Vulture is a lot better, but I feel like the guy from the party team, um, right? I, in some ways, I see the the kind of the narrator of um, Deborah to be the kind of er voice of Midnight Vultures, right? The guy um, who wants to step uh, to a woman and her sister who he thinks na- his name is Deborah, right? With his Hyundai uh, and his fresh pack of gum and and his and his his falsetto crooning, right? Uh, and, and the kind of the the cobbled together kind of sexy man right um and 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 that that kind of voice is there right that there's a kind of through line um to deborah from from sex laws right and so that you you kind of see the various kind of aspects of um of kind of sexy party man um but i don't know i mean who would you say the the representative of of team sad is on on mutations or team team acoustic um it's probably the lazy flies who are hovering above right who are uh but that that like i like your um i like your uh you're framing it as a basketball team, two basketball teams, because there are kind of competitive aspects and there are cooperative aspects, right? Because there are, there are elements of sort of genre mashup and there are sort of elements of kind of hard edits, uh, you know, um, yeah. I mean, for, for me, the, uh, the, uh, I'm not sure what the the narrator is, but the the this is mutations is an album, um, like it's it's a little bit of a hammock album, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> right. Whereas uh, Midnight Vultures is a banana hammock album, <laughs> right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I think that sums it up. Pretty- <laughs> um. You know, and uh, I mean, but the the thing I appreciate is that it that it approaches kind of folk song writing, you know, and I like you, you know, we've we've sort of long established that I sort of like these very well wrought uh songs that sort of sound there's a kind of naturalness to them they don't um they don't call call attention uh attention to themselves um I think that that may be like harmonically a lot of them call attention to themselves. There are a lot of things like secondary dominance uh and um you know circle of fifth type uh chord progressions that are not necessarily a feature of the more groove oriented music on Odile or the more kind of experimental noise stuff on um 
on Mellow Gold. Like if you haven't listened to Mellow Gold again, it's yeah. strange. It's stranger than than you imagine, right? Like my Loser oh. is the song that got all the airplay, but the the one that I like a lot is called Beer Can, and it's just it's just this super loose party jam like you know beach parties with uh beach parties with people in swimsuits kind of jumping around right like that that uh is beautiful 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 and then soul sucking jerk um which is a super distorted kind of noise rap about uh working at kentucky fried chicken <laughs> it's, it's there's so much on there that's that's so good um you know i i i don't know i like i mean i like beck like do you like uh, you you like, I like yeah you I, also I, like Beck, I, I right? too like Beck. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So uh, so anyway, it's the there there's something. I mean, that's why kind of the lazy the lazy flies uh, that um, you know the lazy flies that uh, that kind of hover over over the scene are maybe the the animating spirit of. Um, of mutations because they're you know they're not resting but they're also not trying too hard i mean it's interesting because i think even thinking about lazy flies and kind of flies hanging around also i mean does and i and and i need to think if i see this elsewhere in mutations but certainly in midnight vultures i think there is amidst all of the partying a kind of um, sinister core, right? And I, I think about the um, um, the nicotine and gravy, right? Has the the little call back, call and vocal, the like I don't want to die tonight, right? Um, right? And then there's a number of these other kinds of things that escalate to a moment, or even right in the sex laws, right? I'm I'm, the, I'm a full grown man, but I'm not afraid to cry, right? That, that there is amidst the partying, um, you know, that midnight is a time both for, for ecstasy and for, for agony, right? And for kind of doubt and for demons. I mean, in that way, <clears throat> and it goes into the darkness a little less kind of explicitly than some of these kind of night to morning albums um, like Shamir's Ratchet, right, that we talked about a few years ago. But there's something kind of similar there, right, and a kind of dark underbelly to the the party um, and this, this kind of sense of kind of mortality or aging. And I, I feel like, you know, potentially some of the imagery on Lazy Flies um, are, are is kind of the inverse of that, right? And so there are kind of similar concerns that are potentially animating both albums, but are being kind of worked out by, it, it's like, um, or maybe they're, so, so maybe they're not like basketball teams, maybe they're debate teams, right? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're debate teams and they're given this topic of like on death and dying <laughs> um, and uh, you know, team uh, team mutations um, kind of makes it expansive and, and pretty and reflective and kind of looping and, uh, and, uh, and, and, uh, you know, team midnight vultures is, is like, you know, uh, she looks so Israeli nicotine and gravy. I don't want to die tonight. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that like, I'm a full grown man, but I'm not afraid to cry is a little bit like, um, uh, the genius is a genius inform me that conventional gender roles prohibit males from crying excessively. Wow. <laughs> um, 
the uh man wow sorry i just my mind's a little blown so i i needed to like i'm glad i was sitting down for that one yeah i Um, i I couldn't that 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 level of genius was going to knock me on my ass yeah they don't really they don't uh yeah they don't define the logic of internet commenting laws do they up top um the uh yeah so but i you know the chorus of that song is is not i want to break sex laws as you would with laws having to do with with penal codes uh or penile codes shout out jordan um it's uh no it's um they're like laws of physics, right? Yes, defi- exactly. defi- sex laws are laws of physics. And like, I want to defy the logic of all sex laws. It's kind of like, I want to do things that are, that are sort of impossible in the, you know, in the, in the non-Euclidean geometry of right, right, where right. sex, where sex laws apply. And right. let's call it, let's call it dick space. <laughs> Yeah, or you know, like, I, I want to be a sex astronaut. Basically, yeah, exactly. Right? Let's call it. Let's call it Deborah Space. You know, like as yeah, you yeah. as you sort of uh, as you sort of emerge into Deborah Space, this sort of <laughs> the, the three dimensional projection of your being into Deborah Space is always a phallus, right? And and a little bit like I think I'm a full grown man, but I'm not afraid to cry. Is both. Uh, it's both a kind of an intimate admission, but the way it sits in that chorus is like I'm a full grown man but i'm not afraid to cry you know what i mean and it kind of gets to this like orgasmic whale that was you know notes notes are approximated you know that uh this map is not to scale but um but that like uh it it sort of builds up to this climax rather than being you know rather than being a uh a letdown you know um right yeah. Right. It's not. Yeah. It's not whispered. Right. Or mumbled. Right. It is. It is shouted. It is. It is wailed from the mountaintops. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know. Uh, and what? Uh, what do you? What do you do with brief encounters in Mercedes Benz, wearing hepatitis contact lens, bed and breakfast getaway weekends with Sports Illustrated moms? I mean, the second half is easier, I guess. But like the what? What are hepatitis contact lens? Yeah, know? let me let me just get on my landline and call um, call seventeen year old me through the through the trans dimensional uh, <laughs> landline, right? The Deborah the Deborah space can do that, um, <laughs> uh, and. Um, uh, and see, because I'm sure that was one of those things. Yeah, I mean, it, it is. Well, it's a a. It's definitely, especially hepatitis contact lens. Um, in addition to being just so rhythmically kind of um, great, I um, mean, kind of having those strong consonants, uh, right? The hepatitis contact lens. Um, I think that right. It's this. It's it's definitely a sense of kind of like you know kind of scuzziness right like it's there's a there's a sense of of proper proper hygiene has not been followed um and uh and and uh and 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 so and it kind of connects through to the other pieces right of the um brief encounters in the mercedes benz right that could be um, any, I mean, right, that, that, that is kind of being, um, whether that's kind of, 
um, being kind of a gigolo or being kind of just kind of furtive, like kind of teen sex. Um, but it's, you know, this is like car sex, right? Um, but it's, but it's like fancy car sex. Um, and it's, but it's all kind of illicit and unadvised. Right. And, and, and again, though, I mean, that's an interesting kind of thing though, is, I mean, I guess it's like the hepatitis contact lens is where the, the physical laws and the social laws collide. Right. Uh, uh, and, and, or, or kind of norms. Right. Um, and so that, that it is, um, it is, it is there and you, you get that earlier, right. Even the, um, uh, right in the first verse, you get the coquettes bitch slap you so polite till you thank them for the tea and sympathy. Right. And so there is a little bit about kind of, you know, etiquette or norms on top of what is like on top of a physicality, right? Um, uh, and a a um, and and a kind of cultural piece, right? That you the two kind of place names that are mentioned are both in um, Asia, right? Kind of Kowloon um, carnivores in the Kowloon night. Right is um, is is Hong Kong, um, and then perfumed blokes on the Ginza line is Tokyo, right? And so that there is this kind of um, interesting and and that kind of idea of both of those cities, right, of being kind of all night cities. You know, I, I think to to complete the tri- trifecta, it needed like there there needed to be Bangkok, right? Yeah, sure, um, right. And because I have a sense of all to create that kind of rule of three of kind of these, um, an idea of kind of a perceived seediness or adventurousness, um, and kind of again lawlessness, right? Sure. Um, Bang- so, I mean, Bangkok. What else right. would you do with it? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, I mean, there is a little bit of wanting to go, and it's like, it's both space, but it's also wanting to go to, like, international waters, right? <laughs> like, it's wanting to be a sex pirate, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, a sex pirate in international waters. There's something in the, uh, I mean, there's something in the kind of oxymoron, right? The, the, um, uh, uh, coquettes bitch slap you so pol- or breathing freon by the candlelight, like freon the the uh, the chemical candlelight being a sort of intimate uh, artisanal sort of sort of thing. Uh, coquettes, which is you know French flirts, right? Like bitch yeah. bitch slap, which is out of a completely different cultural context, not what you would expect from a coquette. Uh, you so polite, which is not how you'd expect to be bitch slapped, um, perfumed blokes, right? Perfumed. You yeah. gotta, you gotta do this St- Stanley fish reading perfumed. Ah, what perfumed lasses, perfumed debutantes, perfumed letters from your loved one. No perfumed blokes. Okay. Like a didn't expect it to be masculine and B didn't expect British slang. Right. Uh, on the Ginza line, okay. I'm not. Right. I'm not re- used to referring to anything on the Ginza line as blokes and perfume blokes anywhere are sort of right. So there's this mm. sort of there's this constant process of in the space of a couple words, sort of pulling the rug out or like zig- mm. zigging and zagging uh, in the other direction. You know. Yeah, that is very interesting, and it's it's like it's so dense, right? <laughs> um, and it is interesting though, and and you do get though one of the the constants, right? Is even though the cultural reference 
um, and slang is very matched. I, I do think the kind of like hip hop and kind of like late eighties, early nineties hip hop is one of the constants, both in this song and throughout the album. Right. Cause you, you get, like you say the bitch slap. Um, then later you get the running buck wild. Right. And so that it's, and I, I feel like if there is one kind of, linguistic vocabulary that keeps coming back it is that as much as there are kind of uh, a swirling kaleidoscope of other references um and it is kind of fits i mean is it kind of um it's something to kind of think about with Becca, especially as we think about these two albums together and and has the whole catalog is that right that there is this kind of strong folk core and then there is a strong hip hop core as well, both in the sampling um, and then in in the rapping, right? Uh, and you know, the first, t- the only other time you know, the, that we have a episode, an early episode in which we talked about sleigh bells, um, that's called "There's a Thin Line Between Beck and, and Fred Durst." Right? <laughs> Um, about rap and rap rock. Uh, and, and you think about that, uh, here and, and this is, I mean, the least rocky of the, of the rap that Beck does, right. Um, on, on midnight vultures, but the, the, the interplay between kind of hip hop and folk, uh, among the many, many, many other genres, but those are kind of two that are, that are there, um, and I think what's striking about these two albums is that he separates them, right? That on Mellow Gold and Odalay, there's a lot more interplay, right? There, there's a, a lot more kind of, especially on, I, I think on Mellow Gold, they sit side by side more. But even Odalay kind of still actually has a fair number of kind of folkier numbers or kind of um, kind of acoustic guitar sounds that live beside the sampling um, and the and the rapping. And so it's kind of interesting to kind of think of this you know there's an element of like the 60s right the kind of 60s folks kind of through the prism of 80s hip-hop right yeah Um, and that yeah and that becomes 90s back right the, the the ingredient that gets added to this to uh to Midnight Vultures, right, is some kind of like soul sort of thing. Yeah. Like the use yeah. of the horn section yep. is the th- you know is the thing that to me is like is the new is the new element is kind of the new character in the painting here. Let's let's jump to to mutations if, yeah, if we can. Um, I, it's you know the second verse of uh, of We Live Again, which is probably my favorite song. Um, on this album and is the song, uh, that, that my lyric, uh, came from, um, the second verse actually is an interesting kind of take on, on what the, the logic of sex laws and the perfume blokes on the Ginza line, uh, and the coquettes and whatnot. Uh, Oh, hungry days in the footsteps of fools. And you have to, you have to kind of hear, you have to hear the three, I think really Mm -hmm. it's, it's like the three is very important. So I'll say it in like stupid rhythm as though I were teaching the, uh, as though I were teaching it to, (laughs) to a class of like six or seven year old children, uh, which is something that I hope I get to do before I die. Oh, hungry days in the footsteps of fools gazing alone through sex painted windows, dredging the night, 
drunk libertines, which is how he says it, stink like colognes from the new fangled wasteland, the end of the end. We live again. Oh, I grow weary of the end. Right. And that's like it's almost the same scene, but seen in a different light. Right. Like shot by it's almost the same scene shot by a different cinematographer, you know, and that that like so this is the other it's uh, the same thematic material, but the other teams sort of take uh, on it, right? Like, oh, hungry days, you know, eating all the nicotine and gravy, right? Right. <laughs> In the footsteps of fools, uh, sex painted windows, dredging the night, uh, drunk libertines, stink like cologne, the newfangled wasteland being the sort of, uh, you know, pan East Asian, yeah. uh, uh, you know, se- sex law defy Deborah Space, right? Like the, the, the Deborah yeah. Space is a newfangled wasteland. And and that like um uh that this that that this that this is kind of the the uh, not exactly the morning after because it's a it's a contemporaneous view but it's it's one uh with a jaundiced eye like someone yeah. perhaps a person who's taken off their hepatitis contact lens so the whole world doesn't yeah. look like hepatitis well i mean that is interesting right like what is what is a hepatitis contact lens if not a sex painted window right exactly yeah exactly Man, it's it's a, it's, a, it's a sex painted window to the soul right um, and i think the other one right and i think uh, just to underline is the the stink like a cologne stink like colognes and the uh, perfumed blokes right, right? like exactly. i mean it is it is like the parallels are too like direct to be a coincidence right it's like it's fascinating um and it is though it is interesting though right about the kind of gazing alone the footsteps of fools gazing alone through sex painted windows um is really interesting because in that way it's also a shot at team midnight vultures right because there is a kind of um it 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 calls out the solitude um, and kind of emptiness at the heart of the hepatitis contact lens, right? Because, um, like, like you know, you're you're alone, save for your hepatitis, right? Um, and 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 I, it, it's not that um, you know, team mutations has a solution, but it, I guess it's that the solution is that it is not a, an illusion, right? That, and that it's at least not delusional. Um, in the way that it, you know, that potentially the, um, you know, that, that kind of gazing through the sex painted windows is. And so the, the, again, there's, he's having over the course of these two albums or these, and, you know, these two songs that we outlined, um, kind of a, um, a, a argument with himself. Right. And he, he says right later on, like um, in the third verse, love is a plague in a mixed match parade um, where the castaways look so deranged. When will the children learn to let their wildernesses burn uh, and love will be new, never cold and vacant. These withered hands have dug for a dream, sifted through sand and life de- left over nightmares. Yeah. Right? And the, love is a plague in a mismatch parade. And- yeah, that's a great it's a great line. It's now the genius is a genius. Have it wrong. It's a brilliant not a verse right because it has a different melodic pattern right. Right. um the other way you know how do you know you're in the bridge of a thing of a of a pop song it starts on the four chord right and that's mm-hmm. in, instead of the this instead of the one chord um and that's and that's what this is and this when will children learn to let their wildernesses burn is probably
probably the line that like arrested me and and made me fall in love with this song in a yeah. you know for the last 20 years or so um Tell me, tell me more about it. What, like, what about it kind of grabs you? Well, that's, it's, it does the zigzag thing. It does this sort of zigzag thing in a way that sort mm-hmm. of makes sense, right? Like the wilderness is, there's, there's a kind of like carnivalesque quality to all the sex in, in this and the kind of the, the mix match, the, the plaguey nature, right? The unseemly, unsanitary kind of nature of sex and the kind of the mix match parade in which kind of people are like, I had those those mix match books as a kid where you could kind of make funny pictures by swapping out the swapping out the like the shirts or the pants or something like that. Like and and thinking of, you know, thinking of our our sort of sex lives as as or our sex drives as this this sort of compulsive, uh, unhealthful um activity uh stinking drunk dredging the night i mean dredging is great like just digging up from the bottom right is the you know uh that uh you know sifted through sand and leftover nightmares there there's a quality of like of decay a quality of like mess and and dirt and earthiness uh a quality of like um decrepitude and uh you know and a quality of um uh, of kind of the the grotesque or carnivalesque, and that that is, uh, I mean, and I mean carnivalesque in the sense of freak show, not not the not the carnivalesque uh, feeling on Tropicalia. Um, that the uh, you know, and that like that's the wilderness, right? And so yeah. this line that's like, when will children learn to grow up to be responsible? To nope to let their wildernesses burn uh such an unexpected such an unexpected image such and and such a a sort of like it's one that brings you up short because wait this is uh we're all we didn't call ourselves green we call ourselves environmentalists at this right. you know at this point we don't burn the wilderness you know uh smoky bear only you can prevent <laughs> children children wilderness fires um and the uh you know and, and the other side is like no no oh bear suit i want to fuck the bear suit no no the children need to let their wildernesses burn and it it turns out that it totally fits the kind of the thematic system of this song it also helps that they're the two they're the uh they're the two most um interesting chords in the song it's a it's a uh i think a, a three dominant and then a, a minor six right it's a tonicization of the minor six i think um i think I, I haven't tried to play this at the piano for a while and that that's like uh you know and so it it kind of it fires on all uh, it fires on all cylinders in in a lot of ways in terms of summing up the thematic material of the song and doing it in a way that is musically arresting because it's at the end of the bridge where the the harmony is different so your your ears are perked up anyway and uh doing it with a you know a set of chords that you don't necessarily hear in a lot of uh top 40 radio pop song well this isn't top 40 but a, but a lot of like mainstream radio pop songs I mean, I think there's something else that's interesting is also that it's right. It's not that, you know, 
when will children learn to burn their wildernesses? Yeah. Right. But it's, it's that they are letting their wildernesses burn. Right. right. And so it's, it's not that they are lighting, right. We're like the children didn't start the fire. <laughs> right. Um, but what, what they are learning, um, is to, um, not put it out. Um, and, and I think that the imagery that it also lets me think of, and especially if, uh, if the wilderness is kind of a certain kind of what is this wildness, uh, and why, wild childness that it makes me think of like slash and burn our agriculture and right sedentary agriculture right and becoming settled yeah um and 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 kind of taming a wild uh taming a wilderness or allowing a wilderness to to tame right and not fighting nature yeah It's, it's an amazing kind of image um imagery about growing up um and and kind of aging and maturity and 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 that and I think what's really awesome, though, is well, I'm, and it is, is extremely heartening, is that the order is not uh, midnight vultures and then mutations, right? It is not that there's one last, um, you know, eruption from 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 Team Midnight Vultures, right? From, from the pink, uh, from that, yeah, exactly, from the pink vinyl pants of right, uh, of right. Team Midnight Vultures with right. the the squiggly the squiggly white right. dick energy coming out of it. Right, right, but it's that that he is it, it, it. So it would be very different if it's like that's the last, that's it, and now I'm settling into mutations, um, right? Settling into the hammock of of uh, middle age, right? Um, of middle age complacency, but rather, right, that there is mutations is this kind of statement of uh, about maturity, about kind of a certain kind of calmness um, after kind of the two much more frenetic albums. Um, and yet, and then, um, it, 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 I think it, that put it, putting them together kind of erases the idea that there, the, the maturation is, um, is linear, right? And yeah, it's, 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 you know, Beck, Beck yeah. has Beck has one foot in the grave and always has, right? Like, and that's yeah, 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 that's yeah. what uh, you know. That's what that is. Like, it's so, yeah. and it's true. I mean, like he, and it's the funny. Other, the other it's one's like, on the dance floor, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, one foot in the grave and the other on the dance floor. And yeah. it's funny that he called it back in 1994. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, unpack that a little bit. Well, <laughs> like, that, that that's the name. So he had right. this. He had this deal with. Um, I think it was an imprint of Geffen. I, it was called Bongload Records. Was his uh, was his kind of vanity imprint label, um, and they had a, they had a deal where like between whereas you know the the traditional musical and music industry thing is to like really you space out you really. Taylor Swift hard, right? And Taylor Swift is like a great practitioner of this. And she, uh, she's maybe the last one who can do it where, you know, the albums come, the albums are like three years apart, right? And there's a world tour, uh, you know, planned and there's a whole lot of buildup, a whole lot of, uh, uh, let, you know, a whole lot of kind of cashing out the album, right? And that like, you're supposed to create value by creating scarcity. Uh, Beck had this deal that was, th- this is what I read about him in like 94 when, when I was a paid up subscriber to Rolling Stone magazine. Um, that uh, he had this deal where he could just put out albums, you know, he could sort of, and uh, you know, on bong load and that, uh, that 
they didn't have to be, they wouldn't get the, the marketing support. They wouldn't be a run of as many units. They wouldn't get the, the marketing support. They wouldn't get the sort of big push to radio and things like this. But he could put out, um, uh, one foot in the grave, stereopathetic soul manure. These, these much more, uh, much more challenging, um, much more, uh, you know, kind of alienating albums that, that were maybe beyond what commercial radio could handle at the time. Um, but you know, we're huge on college stations and we're, we're huge on, uh, in sort of underground, underground things. And by huge, I mean, very, very small. And that like, um, that one of these records was called one foot in the grave, you know, and that like, that's, that's a, that's a lot of insight for, uh, that's a lot of insight for someone in his career where he was to sort of know that his, you know, his ethos is such that there are these kind of two warring, uh, yeah. uh, debate teams, you know, or, yeah. uh, or basketball teams or, or, you know, dance crews, you know, <laughs> it's all, so it, it is actually, it's a, it is a, um, three part event. <laughs> it's like, it's a triathlon. Uh, a, a debate, a, a debate, uh, hip hop, uh, break dancing, uh, basketball triathlon <laughs> uh, is is kind of basically the, uh, a way to sum up the Beck discography, right? <laughs> um, and you need you kind of need both of them, right? Because without the without the one without one foot in the grave, you just swirl off into like. You know, it, it, it's 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 a it's a one way ticket to uptown funk, right? <laughs> uh, right? Uh, like that's what happens when you if you if you take that foot out of the grave for even one second, <laughs> you, you're Bruno Mars. You risk you know? becoming you risk becoming Bruno Mars, right? And if you if you don't have one foot on the dance floor, your your downer songs are all uh, you know are all a one way ticket to uh, oh I don't know help me help me out. Like, uh, you know, um, to Billy Corgan, Billy Corgan or something like that. Yeah. Or Elliot Smith, right? Yeah, like, sure. Yeah. Oh, that's dark. Too soon. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. The, I mean, I, I mean I, Beck's still doing his albums every two to three years. I mean, right. And that, that like, um, you know, we might have, you know, we might have, uh, arrived at the grand unified theory of Deborah space here, right. you know, that, uh, uh, that this, this is the sort of balance of forces that, that holds the universe together. Uh, and though, though we can't find it in, in physics or relativity or quantum mechanics or something like that in, in, uh, in Deborah space, it's, it's clearly to keep one foot in the grave and the other on the dance floor. I mean, it is interesting, and I, I find this just kind of to, to spin off on a few other kind of broader th- themes that we've been hitting um, in this trend. It actually makes me think again of Outcast, weirdly, right? And and, and the, the both the similarities and the contrast, right? And the similarity is this duality yeah. and, and hybridity, um, but and but the contrast is that he is able to kind of hold them these these oppositional forces in, within himself right and kind of has these debates teams. yeah exactly he's um, he's uh, like he's like i and i do or die aquamenai yeah yeah exactly um 
Yeah, and it is it is interesting because there are ways in which right this is a um like a delayed release uh, like a, a time released um uh, speaker box in love below right um right it's it's not quite it's not concurrent it's not a double album um but it, or it's like the world's like slowest double album <laughs> right uh, it's one year separating them but they are still um there's they are they are twins in a way and kind of connected um and so i find it kind of a very similar a uh, reflection of a similar process, but it's it's interesting to see somebody kind of work that out as a as a creative process um, rather than a kind of group dynamic, right? As, as a kind of more of an individual um, vision. I mean, it's 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 you know, double two album um, uh, episodes are tough um, because you, you risk short changing either. I mean, are there um, songs? Um, well, I, or, yeah, I actually I, on either that we we should we should hit before we. So break? I I had a question. Like uh, much as I prepared for you and a sort of Ani DeFranco background listening uh, playlist, uh, you prepared a uh, a background listening playlist for me for for our discussion of this album, and I listened to it. And I was struck by <laughs> uh, by the work of a of a, a, an album I hadn't really heard before. Um, you know, from a, I guess a a, a British a, a really forward thinking, really of yeah. the moment. You yeah. know, super contemporary uh, British uh, indie experimental indie noise pop band. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, a lot of their songs don't even have guitars. Like there, there was like all oh. this sitar stuff sitar. and there, there was one that was just strings. It was almost like a string quartet and singing. It was yeah. like, is this yeah, yeah, even, yeah. is this even, uh, rock music? W- would you tell me a little bit about them? Because I always love discovering new bands. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're called the Beatles. <laughs> This is this is what an idiot I am. I had never actually listened to Revolver all the way through. Yeah, how like how far you got you got to like um like George Harrison growly counting one, two, three, four at the beginning of Taxman, and you're like hard pass. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, well the the fantastic thing about Taxman is they come in at a completely different rhythm no, than the one that is. I know it's it's, it's glorious, right? It's, it's, <laughs> there's the one, two, three, and then you hear in the background one, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 and right and that is like and, and that is just one of like several delightful alienating and confounding moments there i mean this is interesting were, right? the, Be- were the beatles reasons. were the beatles just just trolling each other the whole time yeah a little bit i mean that it's a right so this is um that that revolver came out in 1966 and is um kind of right in the middle of the beatles discography and it's it's right at the very kind of tail end of their kind of the phase of their career where they are kind of touring pop stars. And, and like, I think after, um, revolver after 66, they did not really, they didn't tour anymore, play live. So they became a studio band, right. Um, and a studio noise pop band. I think they started to even diverge in their interests. They started to get into drugs a lot more into Eastern religion. Uh, and you, you get, kind of um a a lava lamp of kind of camps of both like the four beatles um and kind of you know the 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 biggest right the two kind of you know the the the, like the the big poles are paul um and and john um and so you definitely have some of these 
outcasty dynamics as well, or really you you kind of have you 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 kind of have two right. This is two on two um, Beck basketball, right? <laughs> like yeah. it, 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 the Beatles, right? That they I think by um, the time of Revolver, you have some of that di- uh, dynamic where they're where it's both collaborative and competitive, right? And so that that kind of um, diversity, and you have right that that ultimately and it varies a little bit right that so ultimately paul is a little more team mutations right to kind of map onto uh back kind of crudely into what we're kind of mapping out and um john tends to be um more a little more team midnight vultures and being a little more playful a little more humorous um a little more even out there with some genre um exploration um and noise and then kind of ringo and george um flip between the two and so i think that there's there's one element it like so that kind of element in this kind of creative stew and kind of opposing forces part was part of why i put um revolver on but then the other is especially that there is a lot of small sonic elements actually even more on mutations and i i put this after mutations on the um the playlist um and so it was it was a definitely a very different kind of preparatory playlist um in that it wasn't like lots of background tracks um but it was kind of I, 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 as I kept listening to mutations, I kept thinking about revolver. Um, and it's, and it's, it's, it's at the micro level of a few small, whether it's kind of chord progressions or pieces of instrumentation, right? The kind of a harpsichord here, um, a, you know, a, a use of three, four here or there, um, certain types of, 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 of piano chords that definitely, um, that, that definitely resonate with elements of this, right? That that um, the the parts of Revolver that are the Beatles like firing just on all cylinders of these kind of this process of kind of competitive collaborative songwriting. Um, and and it was something that actually, and it's funny. I I had thought this, um, and then uh, then we were listening to uh, Mutations at Home yesterday, and TMC Punk correspondent Rachel D said, "Hey, this sounds like the Beatles." And she's like, <laughs> you, and she's like you know that album with the black and white co- uh, cover? And I'm like, I, and I'm like, I love you so much <laughs> because it was, I was like, I was like, I because uh, it was the exact kind of thing. I was like, wow. Okay, so this wasn't just me, right? Either I I Beatles inceptioned her without knowing it, um, or somebody Beatles inceptioned both of us, right? Ringo flew a yellow submarine into our brains, <laughs> um, but uh, that it was there. I mean, so what did you make in your in, in your kind of first path uh, through um, Revolver and its relation to? Um, both of these albums. There was definitely a sense of fun and a se- you know a sense of kind of play of serious play, right? That like uh, you know we're we're not where 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 they were sort of trying things right like yep. in a in a way that was playful but not not totally silly uh and that like uh well a little i mean it has yellow submarine on it it's a little it's a little silly but that uh, like but then it also has several songs about death right it has also has eleanor rigby on it right, right? exactly yeah uh where where at the end he's wiping he's wiping the dirt from his hands and the the uh the accent you know that it's sung 
in wiping the death from his hands makes it sound like wiping the death from his hands, you know, and that's, uh, uh, yeah, that, that no one, no one was saved, right? No one was saved. Yeah. That was the, the, well, I, you know, I look at Beck also looks at all the lonely people, you know, um, right. And not like, uh, yeah, yeah, Eleanor Rigby has two feet in the grave, right? (laughs) Um, yeah, that, 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 that was the, you know, that, that was one of the ones I knew. I, you know, I knew Yellow Submarine, um, and, uh, you know, and yeah, and the, the just the sort of the willful obs- the the willfully obscure nature of some of the lyrics like what what is taxman r- really about you know like what is it is it about tax policy what i mean is it about how the 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 uk takes so much of your money that that so many uh you know so many rock stars of the period it's, like, about, it's about bricks brexit yeah. i think so many rocks i mean rock stars have been brexiting since the rolling stones if not before right like right. uh uh they were they were brexiting before it was cool um no, but that, you know, that sort of sense of play and then like a weird, a weird sonic sense in which, uh, it was very, it seemed very contemporary, right? Like yeah. there was a sense in, and you'd think it would be dated because it's sort of experimental and it's kind of of its time and it would, it would really be steeped in the preoccupations of the moment in which it was made. But like th- that and mutations, I think you were remarking before that mutation sounds like it, if, if, if someone this year released mutations, you'd be like, Oh, okay. That's an album from this year. Yeah, right. Yeah. And that's, uh, uh, that's, that's no small, I mean, actually slightly less, slightly less midnight vultures. Um, though, yeah. though, you know, though, I, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's room for a, a slightly dirtier, slightly funkier, a little more intellectually credible Bruno Mars. You know, I feel like that, that is a thing. Uh, that could exist in the marketplace today. Um, yeah, totally. But that, I mean, it, that's it, sort it, of that. It sets up, right? I mean, because like Pharrell plays in that space, right? Yeah. <laughs> a little bit. Right? Sure. Yeah, yeah, that's not wrong. Yeah. Um, and that like uh, for this 20 years, I mean, this is an anniversary record, right? right. And that like, uh, you know, it's it a little bit you know, a little bit, the styles are cyclical, but also a little bit, it's, it's a feature, I think of the record that it is, uh, um, you know, that, that it sounds contemporary in this, uh, in this strange way. Well, absolutely. And I mean, it is interesting to, that it kind of ca- uh, connects all the way back to revolver. I mean, I think one ways in which both kind of have elements of contemporary are the ways in which there is kind of a, the, you know, the, the indie fountain of youth, right? Yeah, right. Um, right. And then, yeah, how old, are... right. How old is Beck? I have no idea. And I don't know. He's this, he's this sort of young, blonde, uh, bowl cutty sort of kid that, that he was on all of those early albums, though I'm sure he looks nothing like that. I'm sure he looks like, I'm going I'm to Google a picture of Beck, uh, and, and see what he looks like. Uh, and, and I'll report on my initial reaction. Oh my God, we're all going to die.
That's you. I think you saw the uh, the the. You must have found the the portrait of Beck that he keeps at home. Um, that, that 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 accumulates all of the terrible things that he has done and lived through. Yeah. Um, right. The the portrait of of Dorian Beck. Um, <laughs> right. Um, but but no, I think this this indie kind of the, the, there are things, and I think that as we kind of go in from um, ninety eight into the early 2000s, and that's kind of what we've been charting here, is the ways in which kind of pop keeps kind of bending towards indie and indie keeps, keeps bending towards pop, right? That we're kind of converging to the great kind of indie, um, the, you know, the, we're towards the indie pop event horizon of the early 2000s, right? And as we kind of get sucked towards that, um, that that there is a, a sense of, of time travel and kind of, you know, every generation rediscovers the Beatles and all of the things that were influenced by the Beatles. Um, and then it gets rejected and then rediscovered. Right. And so that there is a, a sense of in this period, and this is something else we've been kind of talking about, right. The other reason I put revolver on is the Beatles also came up um, a few episodes ago when we were talking about Elliot Smith's XL. Right. And, um, and that you have a sense in that kind of sense of composition of him kind of dabbling in 66, both in revolver and in pet sounds, which is from the same year. So it is, it's interesting that these are, are mined, but I mean, especially in that like second half of revolver, which is a little less well known, but some of the, the, the rock songs, like she said, she said, um, and your bird can sing, um, are just like really just solid indie pop songs. Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. Um, and, and so it's kind of interesting to see. And I think, again, I think what was, I think I had falsely labeled mutations as a, as, as purely a, in folk mode. Right. And I think it's, you know, at the time it was a, like, if it wasn't, you know, if it wasn't DMX or, um, or, or, or midnight vultures, it was folk. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, we'll definitely get into some of the other things I was listening to in 1999 because it was, let's say, the late 90s were very confusing. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and and we'll see that by by, by addressing some of the things that, that uh, we each listened to and um, that were out there in the culture at the time. Um, but <laughs> the, um, yeah, so that I had kind of falsely labeled mutations as being folky. And then I think, I've listened to it a couple of times over the years, but I tend to uh, incorrectly lump it in with um, with with Sea Change and with the um, uh, what was the album that won the Grammy recently? Um, Colors was, or uh, no, modern, modern Guilt? I think it was Modern Guilt, which is also I, um, in more in that mode, right? It's, it's that that team, right? Yeah. The, the latter day, um, record from team mutations. And, um, but, but I think that, um, mutations is much more of a pop album, right? There is some folk, there is some country, but I think I was struck by the ways in which it was pop, that it was pop in the way of, of that kind of, of indie pop. Right. Um, and, and, you know, elements of the Beatles, I think also even the slower songs, are 
kind of very in dialogue with with pavement right with the slow songs from the pavement record that we talked about um a couple months ago um and so it is this is it is just you know again my favorite um you know uh my favorite indie rock album of 2018 is a a beck album from from 1998 <laughs> right yeah, yeah exactly we we, we were, we were I, I, I think yeah. it's hard to beat i think it's gonna be really hard to beat sure just, i think indie rock is dead well that's uh yeah i mean but I, beck I, will live forever if we if we return to the music of our youth only to find that it is the music of our middle age yeah right <laughs> yeah and 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 so i think that's as good of, of a place as any to to call it uh with one foot in the grave and the other tentatively creeping back towards the dance floor um so we are we are now in 1999 so we're, we'll continue on our historical stretch for a while but it'll be just ever so slightly more recent history for the next few weeks um so Keep us uh, keep keep in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts on Beck, either of the Mutations variety or the um, Midnight Vultures variety, or any of them. Uh, you can do that on Facebook, on Twitter, on the show notes on Overthinking It. Um, say hi. Uh, let us know. I, I feel like Beck is a pretty good crossroads, right? Because of his longevity, because of the multiple genres. I feel like most people have a Beck album that they gra- they've gravitated to, or at one point or another, or a song. So share your your Beck thoughts. Um, share your thoughts on. On, uh, on all of these, maybe give um, give Revolver a spin if you've never listened to it. Uh, we'll, we'll put the playlist in the show notes, and you can explore that. I also included at the beginning of that playlist um, a remix EP that came out um, just around the same time as Guero. That's all eight um, bit eight uh, bit like uh, Nintendo sound remixes of um, the Beck tracks. Uh, that was a official Beck release. That's a lot of fun and kind of really captures a high. It's a strong performance from the party team, right? Uh, <laughs> from the Beck party squad. Sure. And so, yeah, I don't know. Use this as a jumping off point to, to jump into the Beck discography um, and uh, go explore, float around uh, uh, somewhere between the grave and the dance floor and meet us back here, right here at uh, Theory for Turbo Devils next week. And until then, we will be keeping it real. <laughs>